Man, relationship goals. I'm, I'm excited about relationship goals. We're into part two of our series, Relationship Goals. I remember when I was nine years of age. Does anybody else remember when they were nine? When we were little kids, we make these bold declarations, don't we? And uh, we make these declarations based upon our life experience up until that time. And as a nine-year-old, I had a whole bunch of nine years' worth of life experience. So I made some bold declarations. And you know what my declaration was? Was this, I declare that I will never get married. That was my declaration. You know why? Because girls are gross. They, they are so gross. Who would want to get married? You know, as a nine-year-old, I didn't really comprehend if that was so true and no one got married, then, I, then we wouldn't be here because then... Anyway, fast forward. Here I am, married, seven children, four and a half kids. I say four and a half kids because our son has revealed on Facebook that they're having a kid. When you reveal on Facebook, it's now public knowledge, right? Because, you know, when you get told, you're like, am I allowed to tell people? I'm not sure. They didn't say anything. What should we do? But it's on Facebook, so now I can say, you know, and they're having a boy. They had a great reveal. Yeah, come on, give me a hand. That's awesome. Got another grandson coming. I'm excited about that. Another grandson that I can spoil. It'll be so good. And, and let, let, the, let the parents get upset because I'm spoiling. I love that. That's my favorite part of being a grandparent. Any other grandparent know what I'm talking about? Oh, come on. You know, uh, you send them home. Fill them up with chocolate and send them home. Great, great job, parents, grandparents. And so um, they had this great reveal. They had this big balloon, right, on Facebook. And they popped the balloon and and all this blue stuff came out. And I was saying, what does that mean? Oh. <laughs> it's a boy, right? You know, I, I don't know. I'm, we're a bit old school. Our great reveal was when baby came out. It's a boy. That's how, we, that's how we do it old school way. But these days on Facebook and they're cutting cakes, blowing up balloons. I don't know. Who knows? But this, this was my bold declaration. But don't we all have these, these aspirations for our children that they're going to be successful in all that they do? In fact, we have aspirations that they'll marry someone, someone who is godly. And if you're a Christian, your aspiration for your kids is that they marry someone godly. Isn't that true? Yeah. That is so true for every Christian. In fact, even if you're not a Christian, you probably hope that they marry someone godly because at least they've got some great values in their life. And that is so true. You know, I'd rather my kid marry someone, you know, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd rather marry a Christian than someone that, that is some, doing something else that I don't agree with. So my topic, the title of my message today is how to choose your mate. How to choose your mate. And some of you are sitting in this room thinking, well, that ship has sailed. <laughs> Too late. I'm stuck. See my chain? No, just kidding. No, 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 no don't mean that at all. Okay. Now, who is this message for? This message is for anyone who is a mum and dad, anyone who was a grandparent, anyone who was an auntie and uncle. Does anybody fall in that category in here? Anybody? Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm trying, what I'm saying is for everyone. Because there's a generation who, who, is, who, who is rising up and they need, they, they need people like you and me to influence them in a way that, uh, that, that gives them hope for the future. And this is why God has called us. This is why God has called you to be a parent. This is why God has called you to be an auntie and uncle. This is why God has called you to be a grandparent, to be influencers into the next generation. Because if you're not influencing the next generation, let me tell you something. Someone is, and they're going to be influencing them with, with value systems that are totally different than yours. But, but, but everything revolves around relationship, relationship. Now, I hear lots of questions about marriage. I mean, why do we need to get married? It's just a piece of paper. You ever hear that before? It's just a piece of paper. There's no difference between, between me living with my partner and someone who is married. Everything's the same. 
There's no difference. And if you're a Christian, you may hear from another Christian saying, oh, you know, we're married under God's eyes. You've not heard that before? We're married under God's eyes. We don't need no paper to tell us we're married. God knows. Did you know in the Bible, it has a term for that status? Did you know that? It's got a term for that. When you, when you don't legally get married, the Bible has a status for that. You know what it's called? That status is called? See, today, we, in our language, we call that a de facto relationship. Do you know what the Bible calls that? It calls it a concubine. A concubine, that's right. That's a biblical term for it, a concubine. So you can either go with your worldly term, or, hey, this is my concubine. <laughs> but hey, but I'm just saying what the Bible calls it. You'll probably be also uh, uh, interested to know that, that Jesus even said this. Jesus said this. This is what he said. He said, even if you look at another person lustfully, that is the same as committing adultery. It's really interesting. That's what Jesus said. Even if you look at another person lustfully, that's the same as committing adultery. Anybody look at someone lustfully? No, no, look at them. Put your hand up. Especially if you're, if you're sitting next to your, your husband, your wife. Anyway, I, don't, I, I want everybody to leave happy, okay? Here we go. Here we go. Now, the, the Bible says if you commit adultery, if Jesus says if you, if you look at someone lustfully, that's the same as committing adultery. So what does that tell us? What is, so what is Jesus saying there? You know what Jesus is saying? What he's saying is that sexual relationship is, is within the protection of marriage. That's what he's saying right there in that passage. Because outside of that, it's adultery. Within that, this is marriage. What's marriage? It's more than just a piece of paper. And, in, and according to the Bible, marriage is a covenant between, not just between um, two people, but between you and God. And according to the Bible, it's a, it's a legal document. In fact, if you break that legal document... You could be stoned, and not in, in a highway, but in a low way. <laughs> oh, where am I going with that? I was like, my wife always tells me, Ants, you do not always have to say everything that goes through your head. Okay, <laughs> stick to that rule. Ants, don't say everything that goes through your head. Okay, hopefully I can keep going and keep on track. Choosing my words wisely. That's just what I feel like uh, this is what my, my mum was saying to me anyway. But did you know that society separates sex from from an intimate relationship within marriage. Society separates the two. But within the Bible, the protection, there's a reason why. Why there's protection within marriage. And the reason being is some of your greatest regrets is around sexual intimacy. So if you're honest with yourself, with yourself you know, if, 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 man, man, if you're being blessed to, to not get in that, that, into that situation, man, that's awesome. We, I would love my kids to have that kind of thing, not having that, that kind of issue. But for many of us, some of, our greatest result, uh, some of our greatest regrets was around sexual intimacy. But here's something you need to know. Believe it or not, God created sex. Did you know that? He created it, and he thought it was a good idea, and he wants you to have a lot of it. Did you know that? He wants you to have a lot of it within the realms of marriage. What did God say? Go forth and multiply, right? I don't know about you, but in order to multiply, you've got to do something. <laughs> Okay, anyway, don't, don't get your mind go too far on that. That said, sex is not the goal of marriage. It's not the goal of marriage. If it was the goal of marriage, then there'd be a lot of people very dissatisfied with their marriage, right? Anybody, can I hear an amen? Okay, anyway. <laughs> okay, no more, I don't want to cause anybody. Leave happy, leave happy. Okay. The goal of marriage is to pursue God. 
pursue God in partnership and spiritual intimacy with one another. That's the goal of marriage. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8 to 9 says this. This is the Apostle Paul. He says this. To the unmarried, any unmarried in the room today? Well, this is God is speaking to you right now. And the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single. Oh. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Okay, wow, come on. If, you know, if you're gifted to be single, man, you need to, man, that's awesome. God has blessed you with an amazing gift, and you need to run with it. And it's godly, and, and, and it's affirmed well, not only by the Apostle Paul, but it's affirmed by Jesus himself. And this is a gift that God has given you to be single. And, and, and here's the thing, we've got this, in church, it's almost like, oh, to be a good Christian, you need to be married and have kids. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Bible doesn't say that at all, but yet we kind of have this idea this is, what, this, is what, this is what the goal of Christianity is to be married and having kids. That's not the goal. Our goal is to pursue God. That's our goal. And if you haven't got the gift of singleness, what does the Bible say? Get married. <laughs> so for most of us who burn with passion, get married. That's what, that's what Apostle Paul is saying. Get married. And uh, so... How do we help the next generation? How do we help the next generation find the mate that God had intended for them? How do we help our sons and our daughters? How do we help our nephew and our nieces? How do we help the the next generation that we can influence? How do we help them find a mate that God has intended for them? You know how we do that? It starts with you. It starts with you. It starts with your relationship with God. So if you, if you want your, your son or your daughter, your niece or your nephews to, to be in a godly marriage, then it begins with you. You've got to model what that looks like. What's your relationship with God like right now? What are you modeling at home with, the godly, with your relationship with God? Because you know, your relationship goal, God's your relationship goal. We need to make God your priority. Make God your priority. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 says this, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Do you know what that, you know what that means? It means that whatever you're passionate about, the people, the children, young, the next generation that you influence, they'll be passionate about it as well. You, you want to train up your, the, um, the, the, your child in the way they should go and when they get older they won't depart from it? Well, it's, you need to make God priority in your life. What, is your, what, is, what does it look like to you? Do, do you want your kids to read the Bible? Do you read the Bible at home? Do, do your kids see you read the Bible? Do you want your kids to pray? Do your kids see you praying? Do you want your kids to speak wholesome of other people? Do you speak wholesome of other people? Or do we get back home, and this is when we start complaining about people, and we've got a, got a little young Jimmy at the, behind hearing all this, and what we're we teaching them? How to complain about people. We need to make, our, make God our priority in our, in our relationships. Because what we are passionate about, they will be too. So are you passionate about God? Our children are impacted by how real our values are to us. How real are your values to you? You might say, oh, my, oh, you know, I value God, I, I value being wholesome, and, and the way I, uh, my speech and, my, uh, my, uh, and the way that I act. But, but do you outlive those values? Because your children will see it. 
And so whatever you're passionate about, they'll be pa- If you're passionate about cars, guess what your kids are going to be passionate about? Cars. If your kids are influenced by someone and they're passionate about something, they're going to be influenced by that. If you're, if you're passionate about the computer, guess what your kids are going to be passionate about? So if you're passionate about rugby, guess what your kids are going to be passionate about? If you're passionate about football, get the right terminology, you've got to, I don't want to get in trouble with Yalta, but football, um, brackets for us old school, soccer, but it's football, it's called football, football. The beautiful sport, right? The beautiful sport, the, be, the, the best ever that only uses half your body, but anyway. <laughs> Where, where was I? What am I talking? What are we talking about? Okay. Choosing your mate. Okay. Whatever you're passionate, they're passionate about. So if you're passionate about God, guess what your kids are going to be passionate about? Even when they don't let you know it. Did you know that? So even when they become adult children, right? And you and, and, and you, they're doing things you don't. But you know, deep down inside, they're still passionate about God. Even when the actions don't show, they're still passionate about God. They're still finding their way. They're still finding their way. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says this. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not frustrate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instructions of the Lord. Does anybody ever, has anybody ever exasperated their child before? Anybody ever frustrated them before? Come on. We know what we're talking about. Like every, single, every person, we're, you know, oh, you frustrate myself. You know, that's how, <laughs> that's how crazy it is. See, in the same way that seasons change, our children change and develop through childhood. Did you know that? That our children change. And just like our seasons change, our children change. Which means if we don't recognize the transitions, then we will exasperate our children because we're still in a season with our children, but they've moved on. We haven't recognized it yet. And that's when we begin to exasperate our children. So it's really important to, to recognize the transition within your relationship because as long as I have relationship. I have influence. Did you know that as long as you have relationship with your child, with your nephew, with your niece, with your grandchild, you still have influence. But where there is no relationship, there is no influence. Relationships. Relationship goals is so important. You got to make God your priority. So we need to recognize the transitions in our child's life. And and I'm just going to share four transitions that, are, that this is how I model my life. Don't judge me. <laughs> I model my life. And so there's four transitions really quickly. Listen, I'm not doing a parenting talk. I'm, I'm trying to get somewhere to choosing your mate. So I'm just going to go through this really quickly. If, if you've just had a baby or you're, maybe your child is between um, zero and five, like Carl, our drummer, just had a, they just had a baby. Where's Carl? He's at the back and... He's not getting any sleep at the moment. But anyway, it's all part of the journey. And, and, and you're the caretaker. What's a caretaker's role is to protect. You're there to protect your child. You're there to provide. And you're there to pray. You never stop praying. And then when they start going to school, the role change. You become a cop. What's the job of a police officer? Are they there to just give us a hard time? Is that the job of a police officer? No, it's not. They're there to protect, to serve. And if we cross the line, they hold us to account. And there are consequences. If you speed, you get stopped by a cop. Is it the cop's fault? No, it's yours. Did you know you're speeding? Yes, you did. You can say, oh, I didn't see that sign. It was a residential area. It's always 50Ks. <laughs> 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 oh, is it? Oh, yeah. You know, 
But they, and that's what, when you're with our children from 5 to 12, we're there, we're, we're, we're disciplining, we're there to train, we're teaching, and we're there to pray for them. And then when they become 12, in the teen years, and I thought, well, I thought it was 13. No, it's 12, really. 12ies? Anyone know what we're talking about when we're talking about 12ies? 12ies are really 21-year-olds, okay, and 12-year-old bodies, especially if the girls. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, Jess. Oh, man, I've lost all the ladies in the room, eh? I've got, to try, I've got to try to work my way back in. Okay, unless you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. <laughs> From 12 to 8, it changes to coach, to model, to teach, to encourage. And, you know, and here's, this is, I, I, I coached the under-15s for Fraser High School. Yeah, yeah believe it or not, that's, that's quite amazing. And I, and I see that there's a first 15 coach over there from uh, Kawaro. But anyway, I'm not going to hold them. Someone, a fellow coach of mine left me and went to go and coach another team. Anyway, and here's the thing. I don't play the game, right? They play the game. Likewise for your teens. The, they've got to play the game. Our job is to encourage them, support them, cheer them on on the sideline, give advice from time to time. But it's our number one role as a coach is to encourage them along the way and support them along the way. And then when they turn 18, it's, we move to a role of consultant, where, we, we, where our role is to listen, to support, advise, and to pray. What's a consultant role? You know, if you're a consultant, when do you come into to, to, to a workplace? You come in when you're invited, right? And so now you're in this role of your adult children. You've been invited in to come and give advice. Here's the problem. I've seen, seen too many breakdown in relationships is because we don't recognize the, the season that we're in. I've seen too many young, I've, I've been a youth pastor for over 20 years. I've um, raised seven teenagers. I think I've got a bit of authority on this. And this is what I've seen. I've seen, and I've done it too. Don't get me wrong, I've done it too. I, I have, I've, sometimes I get it wrong even myself because we get angry, we get frustrated. But here's the thing, quite often we're being a cop for, for our teens instead of being a coach, Right? We're telling them what to do rather than encourage them along the way. Or, or, or young adults. If you keep telling your young adult what to do, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be a breakdown of relationship. When there's a breakdown of relationship, there's no influence. When do you come in? You're consulting. You have to be invited in. And when you're invited in, then you give your advice. And, you know, when we learn these, these areas, you, you, quite often they'll invite you in more and more and more as they, as they journey through life. But if you keep coming and they stop inviting you, and you lose, and you, if there's a breakdown in relationship, it's a breakdown of influence. Relationships are, are everything. They're everything. As long as I have a relationship, I have influence. Okay, here, I've got a couple of tips for tips, T-I-P-S, tips for parenting from a cop to a coach. Okay, here's a tip for you. Listen more and talk less. That's a good tip. Listen more and talk less. Ask our children the opinion and the ideas. Treat our children with greater respect. Even if you think they don't deserve it, just respect them. Because it's, they're, they're still they're in the season. Who our children are becoming is more important than what they are achieving. Did you know that? The development of godly character and loving Healthy relationship with family and friends is often more important than great achievement. So here's the thing. It's not about their results at school, but it's who they're becoming that's really important. 
I know a lot of smart people who are real pain in the gluteal maximus. I'm trying to keep it the PC here. We are a church. No. <laughs> but it's who they're becoming. What kind of godly characters are we? Are we so focused on the achievements, but we lose sight on who they're becoming? See, we can't swoop them and rescue every time. Did you know that? Think about this. You became successful through what? Through your adversity. Did you know that? You became successful through your adversity, but yet we banish from our children the very thing that made us successful. Why do we do that? Who you are today is because of your adversities, but yet we try to banish it all from our kids. Our children need adversity. They need adversity. If we banish it from them, then that, what, what do we teach them? Entitlement. Entitlement. You, you can get it without earning it. Our children need adversity. I know you've been sitting here thinking, oh, I thought this was about choosing a mate. We haven't even got there. Okay, we're finally here. Okay. Now you can switch back on. <laughs> How to choose a mate. How do you choose a mate? Now, if you ask your teen, this is, so this, is, this, is, this is really important. If you've got teenagers, current teenagers, here's a tip for you. Ask your teen, ask them if they would be prepared to allow you to offer some advice and guidance in this area of their lives. It's really important for you to do that. Ask your teen this. Because they're more likely to be open to it than for you being a cop and telling them. Because you know what? Where there is no relationship, there's no influence. So when you ask your thing, when you, and they, they invite you into that area, you have more influence. Believe me, I've made that mistake. And it's not good. You know, um, whether you're advising your team or this is for you, and choosing your mate. This is what we need to understand. Quite often, we fall in love with personality, but we marry character. Did you know that? We fall in love with personality. Man, they've got the great personality. I love their personality. They make me laugh. They're so good. But we end up marrying their character. You know what reveals character? Adversity. A test reveals character. And if we rob our children of adversity, they don't develop character. Character is who you are when nobody is looking except God. You know what's really interesting? The greatest need for a woman is unconditional love. And the greatest need for a man is it's not sex, <laughs> it's respect. It's respect. And this isn't true, this, this, this isn't true of, of all people, but this is quite often what happens. Lots of girls give sex to get love. Lots of guys give love to get sex. That's why Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. See, when choosing who to date and to be your mate, look for godly character. Don't marry a cultural Christian. Do you know what I mean by that? 
What's a cultural Christian? There's someone who says, oh, I'll go to church. Look at the, their character. Are, are they living a godly character? Or they say, or they say oh, look, you know, I go to church every Sunday. I go to this church, go to that church. I've seen too many, honestly, too many breakdowns because people are looking at the cult. As a Christian, I go to church. I go to this, this group here. But their character hasn't been developed. Look for, don't marry a, a cultural Christian, but instead, marry a godly person. Marry a person who loves God more than they love you. Do you know that? If you love someone who loves God more than they love you, that, you know what that means? They'll never stop loving you. But if, you've, if you marry someone who loves you more than they love God, there's going to come a time when there's no love in the marriage and they'll stop loving you. But if you marry someone who loves God more than they love you, it never stops. Here's a tip for the dads. Any dads out here? Any dads who have daughters? I've got a tip for you. Being a dad myself and having daughters, love your daughter so much that every potential boy will have high standards to live up to. I'm going to say that again because I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Dads, if you love your daughter so much, and they've, they honestly, and it's tangible, very tangible, that every potential boy will have high standards to live up to. For that reason, my two daughters aren't going to get married. Man, that bar is so high. Oh my goodness. Good luck. <laughs> Here's another tip. How someone treats their parents and siblings is how they'll treat their mate. That's a tip, honestly. You know, I always give advice. Go see how they treat their mom and dad. Do they honor their mom and dad? Do they honor their siblings? Siblings, siblings, because how they honor, how they treat them is how they'll treat you. Here's the thing: if you're in this room, you're single, and you're looking for a mate. Let me ask you this question: How do you treat your parents? How do you treat your siblings? Because if it doesn't look good, you're going to be treating your future mate just like that. Something needs to change. You want needs to change? Relationship needs to change. Relationships are everything. Remember, the goal of marriage is not to be happy. The goal of marriage is to pursue God together with spiritual intimacy with one another. If happiness is our primary goal, then we'll get a divorce as soon as happiness seems to fade. That's why happiness cannot be your goal. Because if you're married in this room, are you happy all the time? No. If, you, if your goal for marriage is sex... <laughs> You'll be really disappointed. Oh, I can't speak for everyone. Right? Don't speak. Ah, oh, you can't speak for me. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep moving. If receiving love is our primary goal for marriage, then we'll dump our spouse as soon as they seem to be less loving. But we marry for the glory of God to model his love and commitment to our children. And to reveal his witness to the world, divorce makes no sense. See, when my wife forgives me and accepts me, and she does this a lot. <laughs> when she forgives me and accepts me, I learn to receive God's forgiveness and acceptance. And in that moment, she is modeling to me, God to me, revealing to me God's mercy. And I hope it's, 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 it goes the other way as well. 
But I know what some of you guys are sitting in this room, and we're talking about relationship. And right now, some, I, 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 honestly, I sense this in my spirit even now, if I'm standing right here. Some of you, I just get it really sense in my spirit. People here, you feel like that ship has sailed with your son or your daughter. Your relationship is broken. And you're thinking, oh no, that's why I have no influence. Can I just say something? It's never too late for grace. It's never too late for grace. It's never too late for grace. That's a very important message for all of us. If you go to bed angry, or your spouse goes to bed angry, or your children, you know, the Bible says, oh, you shouldn't go to bed angry. But you know what? In reality, all of us do it. If you go to bed angry, your spouse goes, or your children, you know what? It's never too late for grace. It's never too late for grace. If your kids are 20, 30, or something, and they say to you, it's too late, guess what? It's never too late for grace. It's never too late for grace. Well, some of you may know that, that me and Porter, or maybe you don't know, but me and Porter, we're, we're, blended, we're blended family. In fact, um, um, I was the blend to the family. I was just some stray that Porter took in. I'm so glad she took me in. I was just a stray. And when we first got together, her, her eldest child, she was 12 years old. I remember walking into the room and she was there and she says to her mum, she wasn't discreet about it. This is what she said. What's he doing here? I think, oh, okay. It's like, it was a sign saying, you're not welcome here. And you know what? She didn't like me one bit. She had the fire of her mum in her. It's a big fire. She didn't like me one bit. We moved to Hamilton. When we moved to Hamilton, we were broken. Honestly, we were broken far away from God. But we found ourselves in this church. I don't know if you heard of this church. It's called Elam. We found ourselves here. You know, we weren't married. And I thought to myself, man, I'm just going to be, I don't want to go to church. I'm going to judge us when I'm married. You know, Porto, she's just my concubine. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, defective relationship. I keep thinking I'm back in Bible terms. Man, they're going to judge us. But you know what? You know what I found here in Elam? I found love. People just loved us. And what I discovered is that God loved us too. But he loved us too much for us to stay the same. And we entered into a covenant of marriage. The best thing that we're... You know, we, we come from families where, where, where relationships have been broken. We, we both come from broken homes. And we realize here's an opportunity we can model to our children. Even the children that are my... Step, I don't call them stepchildren, they're my children. Here's an opportunity where we can model to them what a godly marriage would look like. That one day that they'll want this for themselves and the next generation after the next generation after the next generation. It wasn't easy. Well, that was hard as. <laughs> hard as. This is as Kiwis I can get. We got, we got married in my relationship with my 12-year-old stepdaughter. We're from she hates me to she can tolerate me. I took that as a win. She doesn't hate me. She tolerates me. At least she doesn't hate me. That's good. But I continue to pray for her. I continue to support and love her and to be as best a stepfather could be. It wasn't easy. It was hard. It was a journey. There were times when I had to keep silent and I had to let Puro be the parent and discipline. Because I, as a stepfather, I wasn't invited in. If I, I knew if I overset my mark, I would never be invited in again. So it was hard to keep silent. And it was hard just to let Puro be mum and dad. 
When she turned 16, she moved back to Auckland to be with her dad. Did I want her to move to Auckland? Absolutely not. Because we were family. But there comes a time when you have to let your child choose their own path, even if you disagree. See, our children need adversity. But I continued to love her, and from time to time, she would invite me in and ask for advice. And honestly, when she did that, man, I was there. But I never stopped praying for her. She did a lot of things I disagreed with, but I, but I, I, kept, I kept silent, kept supporting, kept loving, and I was there. You know, 10 years after she moved to Auckland, she still lives in Auckland, on Father's Day, she sends me this text. She said, this is her text. 10 years after she moved. Happy Father's Day, love hearts. Thank you for all that you do for myself and my siblings. And most of all, man, that hay fever just keeps coming back. Oh my goodness, oh. Man, I'm, I'm such a softy. Oh my goodness, man. And most of all, for loving mum and making her so happy. Love heart. Love you and sorry we couldn't make it down to have a meal with you. XO. Well, she couldn't love me that much. She didn't even come for I have lunch. <laughs> the greatest gift that you can give to your children is to love their mother. The greatest gift that you can give to your children is to love their father. That's the greatest gift that you can give. And she sent this to me on my birthday. Happiest of birthdays, dad. She puts this word dad, not aunt's dad. Thank you for always being going up over and above and always putting up with me and my thousand siblings. This includes all the other kids that find their way to your house. <laughs> we love you so much and see you tomorrow after work. Well, at least she was coming the next day. And Christmas Day, she says, Merry Christmas Day. Thank you for all you do for our hundred siblings and Mama Bear. God has blessed you with plenty, but I know he will bless you with more than you deserve. We love you from me. You know, the journey was hard, but it was worth it. Where there is no relationship, there is no influence. Relationship is worth the fight. If you, if, if you feel like oh, it's, too late, it's never too late for grace. Grace is an undeserved free gift of love and forgiveness. Even when they don't deserve it, that's what grace is. I will extend grace you may have hurt me, you may have said bad things against me, but I will continue to love, I will continue to reach out my arms of grace because it's never too late. And when you're ready, I'm here. It was a long journey, but it was worth it. It was worth it. It's never too late for grace. If your kids are 20 or 30 and they say it's too late, it's never too late. Come on, let us pray.